Welcome to But Why Though, the podcast, a roundtable conversation about all things pop culture with guests from around the But Why Though writing community. I'm your host, Alex, joined this week by Suara. Hello. And Adrian. Hey, how's it going? This week, inspired by nothing in particular, if I'm being honest, we are going to talk about products of their time, for better and for worse, and mostly for worse. But before that, because it's going to be a big conversation, we're going to get into some news topics. So uh, first up is just Twitter gets worse. This is... um, so over the weekend, it was a, a rate limiting issue, I think is how they pitched it to people, and that Twitter was going to start enforcing how many tweets you can see in a day. It was like 6,000 for subscribers, 600 for non-subscribers, and 300 for new non-subscribers. And people kind of like poked around the situation and realized that realistically, this is that Twitter didn't pay a bill, and they were trying to uh, control the traffic flow to not crash their own site because they didn't pay that bill. Um, for me, I, I hit the rate limit, I think pretty early on, like the day that it happened. Um, and then just didn't use Twitter the rest of the day. Cause I just didn't care enough to keep trying. Um, but yeah, what was your guys' experience with that? How are you feeling about Twitter? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go first because I know Swore is a, a big, a, a bigger Twitter user, user than I am. Um, cause my stuff's mainly just like, if, but why those doing something and promoting it, or if there's like a, you know, show that I'm watching weekly, um, do it there i discuss some stuff on starburst twitter but i wouldn't consider myself like a, a big twitter user maybe like optics wise maybe i am I, I'm, I'm not really sure but i didn't hit my limit really at, at all i don't know if the limit thing is still going on or not um but i know that he it was like 600 initially or something like that if you're not verified none of us are verified so i'm pretty sure we were all at the 600 thing then they raised yeah. like 800 later to me that seems like a lot of tweets like i don't i don't even think i'm following 600 people or like i don't think that i'm like following well, so the here's the thing with six, it it's any tweet that you load. So if you tap oh, on a okay, tweet gotcha. and it loads ten replies, you've now oh, burned wow. eleven. Well, maybe yeah. that's why. Maybe maybe that's why I didn't hit my limit. I'm I'm a scroller than I'm more than I am like a go and read the comments because they're. Oh know, yeah, it's like if you go deep cancers, on like yeah. one thread, you're gonna burn up like a gotcha. hundred of your yeah, things. Yeah, well, that makes yeah. more sense. Right. I mean, I'm a scroller, so I'm usually just scrolling through like my for you or my following just to see what um, people are doing. You know what content's coming out on but why <laughs> or what funny meme you know black twitter's come up with today for sure um so that's usually you know the bulk of my usage and i didn't see any big uh you know i didn't hit, hit the cap or anything like that but i was also on my app on my phone app more i know people were having more issues on the desktop version or something like that but yeah it didn't really affect me all too much yeah and suara how did it affect you so i yeah adrian's right i am for better and worse Mostly for worse, to be honest. And also, like that—that that doesn't mean like I when I said that, I didn't mean like no, a, no, not at all. Addict no, no, not at problem. all. I mean, listen, it, I will. Swar is just a bigger person than I am. You know, he's a lot more popular. Uh, you know, no. does a lot more cool stuff. Stop, so. stop. You you deserve your you deserve that recognition as well, Adrian. You're fantastic. Um, yeah, I am for better and worse, and I would argue for worse. A big Twitter user myself, and. You know, I've waited in and out the last few weeks. There have been some times where I've just like haven't been on Twitter for a couple of days, and that's fantastic. Recommend it being off Twitter. But then sometimes, you know, I'll be promoting something. I'll be talking about something I really care about that I want people to know more about or consider more, and I'll be on Twitter mm-hmm. more. And I mean, me the other day when I hit my rate limit. So, yeah, it's just that like in general, Musk has made this platform increasingly unusable. And he mm-hmm. had no idea really what he was doing and buying it. It was a, not at all. Yeah, it was a vanity project for him. And 
you know, like he just wanted to change the narrative about himself in a lot of ways. And he had all of this money resources to do it. Then he realized like, oh, wait, maybe I don't. And then he was legally forced into buying it. And then he was like, okay, I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want, like without considering any consequences. So I think like, you know, the way he's running it, Twitter is on its way to ultimately dying, you know, if something doesn't change soon. And yeah. You know, there is this finally a viable alternative to Twitter is Blue Sky, you know, which was created by Jack Dorsey, who created Twitter. And, you know, mm -hmm. I fundamentally have you migrated. Yes, I have. I have my own Blue Sky account. I built up a, um, you know, nowhere near as much as I have on Twitter now, but still like a good uh, following with like my Twitter, former Twitter mutuals and, you know, others and. It's like, you know, a fresh start. It feels nice like that. And I I aim not to be anywhere near as addicted to that as I was to Twitter. And, you know, it's still very much in mm -hmm. beta. You can only get in with invite codes. And Instagram yeah. is also launching their alternative in like a week or two, right? Yeah. And they're calling it Threads. And I think I saw that you might need to pay for it or something like that. I don't know. I could be wrong on oh. that. But like, I just... It's for me. It seems like Blue Sky is the most viable alternative. Although mm -hmm. there have already been a lot of critiques of Blue Sky, particularly from the Black community that I've observed, and how, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like that. I'm not like you know equipped to fully speak on, but you know, I hope that in the long run it can be the most viable alternative. So we'll see about that. Yeah, and I know that there's a. I think Spill is another one that I've seen building some momentum as a black owned alternative. And then um, Mastodon, I guess is still there, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of options and Twitter just keeps making weird choices that, I mean, honestly, if they do end up enforcing a limit on how much I can see daily without, you know, tighter controls on how many tweets load when I tap on something, then I feel like that's going to be kind of a, not a nail in the coffin, but well, it's a nail in the coffin. It's not the last one. Um, but yeah, I'm just not, not super into it, not happy with the direction it's going. Um, looking forward to seeing something else get out of beta and kind of like take off as far as users. But the other news item, and I'm very curious what you guys have to say about this, and I can't believe this is a news item, uh, the Grimace Shake. Uh, I love the Grimace Shake, man. It's so good. So good. It, I, yeah, I did I did get one. Swara, have you got one? I've not gotten one yet, and I only know about this thing through memes. <laughs> like, yeah. So that's, so that's kind of what I wanted to get into. <laughs> is somehow, and I don't know if this was just very clever grassroots on McDonald's part or what, but there became this meme of like, actually what this does is completely breaks your brains and like sends you into convulsions. And um, I saw one where someone made like a found footage horror movie where it's like, oh, yeah, like it starts off with all these people getting a grimace shake and then like the camera distorts. And then like one of them is standing in a field with like, purple shake all over their face and like their eyes rolled in the back of their head yeah and... that's the the big tiktok trend for the grimace shake is, is that there's there's so many of them uh i think i think you'd love it because there's just so many of, of oh those yeah out. and they're so well done too yeah i did i saw one on instagram of just this guy going to a drive-thru and ordering it and then being like how do you feel about selling this to me knowing i'm probably gonna pour it on my face and they're just like please don't don't do that. I think my favorite one so far, and it was made by Kamala Meme on Twitter and Instagram of Miss Marvel Kamala Khan. You know, a picture of her with don't drink the Grimace Shake and it's her like having the purple constructs and stuff. <laughs> That's uh, really good. Yep, yep. And just like, you know, um, just great meta commentary on how 
I will stick by this. The power change was extremely unnecessary and just, it's a grimace yep. shake. It is a grimace <laughs> shake. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. But yeah, like, how do you, how do you guys feel about like brand marketing like this in general? And like when something takes off and like people are spending money for the purpose of like participating in like a, a meme moment, basically. Uh, I think it's cool. I mean, I, I think it, it, it's cool. And, and for me, you know, when I'm scrolling through trying to hit my 600 tw tweet li limit uh, on Twitter, or if I'm just like avoiding Twitter because I just don't want to be on it and I'm going on Instagram and TikTok and things like that where they're, they're making these memes, it's a great distraction away from like everything that's going on in, in, in the country at the time of us recording this podcast. So uh, for me, it was a great distraction throughout the week. I was really mm -hmm. sad yesterday. We, we had like a beach day. We did all these things and I wanted to end it. I wanted to end it with a grimace shake. It's like the only thing I wanted. And it was sold out already. So, you know, like it, it was oh, that. No way. Oh, no. Yeah, it sold, sold out. And I'm too scared to go to another McDonald's to check. I think it was only until like the seventh or something like that, like while supplies last. So I'm too scared oh. to go check and see if another one has it because I, you know, back in the back in you know the mean streets of 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 El Paso, Texas, on Dyer, the uh, the McDonald's there had a grimace chair, and that's a chair that I sat in every single time I went into McDonald's mm -hmm. with my grandma. So I have like very, very fond memories of Grimace itself. So when the Grimace came back, yeah, it, the, the memes are funny, but for me, it's a really, really nice nostalgic kind of back to when things weren't as hectic and crazy yeah. and shitty. I, I was kind of surprised to see them like pulling a lot of McDonald's land content for this period. Um, but I feel like they've realized that it's something they can leverage. And that like, I, I think interestingly that when people started getting weird with this, McDonald's didn't shut it down and say like, Hey, don't do this. They just rolled with it and were yeah. like, yeah, whatever, do what you're going to do. Get weird. Like we all love grimace. Yeah. When we were talking about like, if this was like a McDonald's thing or not, I know that McDonald's is like on their official TikTok account or like they had like worked with somebody, um, another creator to like do a, a video of the same kind of like style. I don't know if that was like the first one that they mm -hmm. did, but McDonald's definitely had like their, their hand in kind of doing like another one. It was like a voice. So they, they the eventually encouraged it. Yeah. So like the voice actress who does like a lot, uh, one of the voice actresses who does a lot of like the, um, the voiceover content for McDonald's um, was like, doing a thing like where she's like on a zoom call with McDonald's and they were like, Oh yeah, just give, give it one more take. But this time drink the grimace shake. And she's like, well, I don't have a grimace shake. And she's like, well, there's a grimace shake there now. And there was like a grimace shake there. And then did like the whole horror thing from there. But they, so they, they definitely lean, they definitely leaned into it and then and it worked. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I think I'm overall good with this kind of viral marketing. Um, you know, it's not like, it's a completely different situation than, you know, we've discussed like this is in the discord of like marketing for film and TV and like the downgrading of marketing budgets and how awful that is. This is just like mm -hmm. this for a shake. You know, if it's for like stuff like yeah. this, if it's for, you know, if they are paying their social media people well who are working on this, then I'm good with it. Good for them. It's really yeah. smart. Definitely. I think that the last thing I'll say that is kind of funny in all of this is that it is flavor wise. It's just the most generic berry <laughs> flavor. It is, you know, as much as people were like, Oh, how fun and special. It's like, it's berry. That's it's mixed berry. That's it. Yeah. It's like a shamrock shake, but with like grimace on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, but, but it's, you know, but it's whatever. Nostalgia. People are having fun. It's, it's a callback to nostalgia. Mm -hmm. within, it it really perfect is. Perfect for this episode. I think. Absolutely. Well, grimace, but grimace, grimace isn't problematic, out. is he? <laughs> like, I, I hope uh, not. No, please, please I don't, don't be problematic, so. grimace. Please. I think there's just confusion over what he is. There was that whole thing about him being a taste bud a few years ago, <laughs> and then like 
<laughs> yeah, it, no one knows what Grimace is. Amazing. I love it. But yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing your thoughts on a, a crashing website and a shake that makes you lose your mind. Um, but moving on to the main event, products of their time. Now, this can be, it can mean a lot of things. It can be, you know, jokes that didn't age well. It can be production that didn't age well. Uh, but just in general, how do you guys feel even about the phrase or the concept? I am a huge fan and huge user of the term products of their time. I think it's important and necessary and it compartmentalizes so much context for how we engage with media of the mm-hmm. past. When take, for example, one of my favorite musical films, which I recognize is deeply, deeply racist and problematic West side story. I love mm-hmm. that original film, like from the fifties so much uh, you know, growing up with it, I love the songs, I love the music, I love what Leonard Bernstein composed for it. But the way it depicts Puerto Ricans, the brown face, mm-hmm. the like, yeah, like you know, like uh, Natalie Wood playing this Puerto Rican character, etc. That stuff that like Puerto Ricans and other uh, Latin people have spoken really well about, um, including Kate. Like you should read her review of the newer um, West Side Story film has like you know made me be like oh so i'm like if i ever engage with this again or i do still engage in terms of the songs but i haven't watched the movie since and that's okay it's okay for Mm -hmm. me to say like hey you know something i loved you know makes me uncomfortable now but maybe i will watch it again and just recognize it as a product of its time something else for me that i've like delved into sort of a few months ago recently were has been like austin powers clips i love austin powers so Mm -hmm. much growing up but I cannot defend Fat Bastard. That is just like a hugely fat phobic caricature that just like mm-hmm. real has not aged well at all. I'm like, oh no, not at or, all. And I, Alex, you mentioned it, like the Japanese twins in the third movie. Yeah, like there's just, so many. Well, yeah. And what's funny is I remember seeing the other day someone posted a clip from the first one where she tries to kiss him and he's like, I can't, you're drunk. And it's like, so there was like some awareness yeah. of things that were not okay. Absolutely. Yeah, but then yeah. he turned think, around and, cause, cause, and did like deeply problematic other things. Yeah, because you had posted Austin Powers. And I was like, Austin Powers is problematic. There ain't no way. I love that series. There's, there's no way that Beyonce would be in anything problematic. There's just no way. Uh, but but, but, no, <laughs> but you know, there's that scene with Fat Bastard. He's like, I eat because I'm sad. I'm sad because I eat. And that's a very, as a, as a fat person, that's a very sure. real that's a very real thing, you know? So I think it, it, I, yeah, I don't know if I, yeah, I don't know. It, that one's, that one's tough for me because again, it's, I, I, think, I, I think love that's it so one of the much. softer. Love, yeah. Well, definitely one of the more softer ones. I think that we'll talk about today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, and think, I think, and I think that's true with most comedies. I think, um, I mean, I don't think most comedies are doing it to be malicious, but when you do things like West Side yeah. Story, where you're doing blackface seriously or, or doing brownface, seriously mm-hmm. doing brownface, I think that's a little bit more egregious. Uh, Oh, totally. And I think that that's a lot of it is it's, yeah, things of, I mean, again, to go to the phrase products of their time. um, One that comes to mind for me is, and it's, I can't even specify a single movie because it's so many of them, but it's what I would categorize as, and tell me if this makes sense, the casual slurs, um, Mm. the things that like, just like the F slur, the R slur, like things that it's like, oh, that was just like a thing people said on the playground. That was nothing. And the number of movies where someone (laughs) will just say like, you know, just drop it in the middle of a sentence. Um, Tommy Boy, 
where he's they're doing like the in-flight instructions and he's like and if you can't figure out how to do your belt please hit your light and tommy will come around and hit you in the head with the hammer because you are a and then just drops and it's like oh that aged incredibly poorly but that was the thing of like in the early 90s that no one would have looked twice <laughs> at that like in like by and large um and I feel like with comedies, that's a lot of what, I mean, obviously sometimes there's also just like, oh no, you did like a, you know, really like fat phobic bit or like there's a lot of rape jokes in this. Yep. Um, but a lot of comedies, what makes them age poorly is the the casualness of, of, I guess, society at that point. I can't even, and I mean, that's why it's a product of its time is that societally those things were okay. Yeah, that's the thing. The discussions we're having today about, different kinds of prejudice whether that's based on race body size skin tone religion etc mm-hmm. those weren't really happening back then uh another example i'll say and i I'll, I'll be i've only seen like the first film of the trilogy i really need to watch the second mm-hmm. two is back to the future a fantastic film truly fantastic those like libyan terrorists though terrible like you know, speaking as a muslim middle eastern person i'm just like why are we why is this here um oh yeah and that that but that's also not really something that fans of the franchise really like talk about a lot or like really embrace i think that's a good example mm-hmm. where fandom writ large recognizes that hey this is we love this film but we're not going to engage or promote this one aspect of it and let it yeah. inspire us for the future and the best parts of it for the future i think the really key thing is that we just don't repeat the same mistakes of those products yeah. of their time that we learn from the past that we mm-hmm. Uh, adjust and change things differently which is and i'm going into another property here oh yeah which is why indiana jones and the dial of destiny frustrate me so much and listen i am completely that that one basically just didn't learn from its own series it really didn't it really didn't you could argue although i don't want to speak for peruvian people and how that film depicted peru uh you know at Mm -hmm. least crystal skull didn't orientalize the middle east again and stuff like that um but with dial of destiny and here's the thing i want to make clear i am open to franchises improving upon themselves and doing better and you know just i'm open to it but the minute i saw the dial of destiny trailer they were in morocco they had a yellow filter they had the white welsh islamophobe reese davies you know play sal again saying i miss the desert like kill me now <laughs> and yeah then watching the movie and them going to morocco when they just didn't really need to at all and them like mm-hmm. having this crazed like ex-moroccan lover son of a gangster chase like the heroes through tangier and we discussed it all on my podcast the middle geeks that you should listen to um which i'll plug at the end and i'm just like mm, just like you just didn't need this you just didn't need not at all and and i think that's the thing is like you said it's it's franchises can learn and improve and grow and it's just a matter of seeing it i like i think a good example um transformers let's get into that like specifically the where transformers is a product of its time is um one inexplicably giving robots races uh two um objectifying megan fox and megan fox only i would argue um and then we got bumblebee where it was like what if we don't randomly have a robot that is clearly supposed to be black 
and also what if we don't objectify Haley Steinfeld? And it's like, oh, you guys learned. Like, you realize that that's maybe not what the best things about your movies were. And instead, you gave us something new. And so I feel like that's an example of, like, it's, you know, and that's an interesting, I think, for me, example of, like, product of its time. Because, like, if you weren't around in the mid-2000s, the whole, like, I, I, you know, like, let's objectify Megan Fox is like, yeah, that's movies back then. That's just kind of a thing that happened. And they figured it out. And they decided not to do it anymore. Um, or I mean, maybe not cause Michael Bay wasn't involved in that one. Maybe he still wants to do that. Um, but yeah, it's just so much of it is, you know, you have to contextualize it in its era. And so I guess the question I have on that front though, is I think it was like HBO or like some streaming service started putting disclaimers ahead of like cartoons of like, Disney Hey, Plus did this that. has yeah. some, yeah, um, I think it was specifically like a Tom and Jerry cartoon that had some like a very stereotypical mm-hmm. black woman. And they were like, hey, this was made in a different era. Like, we don't condone this. We want to acknowledge it. But for you guys, is that contextualizing disclaimer enough? Or is there like a step further? I mean, because ultimately what you're looking at is like, this is still supposed to be entertainment. Like, I, you know, people are not going to want to do a three hour course on the history of depictions of, you know, Peruvians before watching uh crystal skull, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, how, how, how does that work for you guys? How does that hit? Cause I feel like it's at least a, a step forward to say like, let's, let's get into it and acknowledge it. Yeah. I think acknowledging it is, I mean, in, outside of like totally getting rid of like the content, which I don't think, we want to see happen anymore with so much content yeah. getting taken off of, of services because if it is like a, a thing that's like very minor but the rest of the things are are fine i don't think we should take it all down for that reason but having the disclaimers i think is is, is a step in the right direction and really all, all you can do other than do again like what you had to what transformers did try again but do it without all the problematic mm-hmm. stuff and then kind of get us back into get us back into the gist there because uh, I think your Transformers uh, example is a perfect example mm-hmm. of how to go back and do it without, you know, having to put some kind of disclaimer or say, "Hey, sorry for being overly sexual yeah. with Megan Fox." Sorry, sorry, we objectified <laughs> what was supposed to be a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah, I completely co-signed that. I think that I am a huge believer in preserving art, including the problematic art. And Mm -hmm. again, it's so that we can learn from the past so that we can acknowledge, you know, what could have been done better and we can still enjoy these products of their time. I don't shame anyone for, you know, unless, you know, they are a racist and they're celebrating like the racist or problematic parts of something to, you know, just enjoy it. You know, the other like positive aspects you get out of it. If, If you find someone who watches Temple of Doom for the Orientalism and racism, then like, that's not a good yeah. person. <laughs> oh man, don't get me started on Temple of Doom. Um, but yeah, I think this relates to, so this was, this happened a couple of months ago when the Roald Dahl estate said they were going to be editing his books. I'm a, I grew up with Roald Dahl books, oh, yeah. you know, love Matilda and um, others. And just, that was terrible in my opinion i said so online like why are we Well, and if that one that one too sorry sure. real quick wasn't that also one where they were like we took out references to like 
evil people being ugly and fat and people were like what about the oompa loompas being slaves sure. like did you yeah. edit that out yeah. like you no know, it, it just it shows like you know how to a degree these things are subjective and again like why shouldn't we have the full picture of who Roald Dahl or any other creator or writer was as a human being like while acknowledging hey we can still enjoy their art we can still have you know like Mm-hmm. If you don't like Matilda, I totally get it. I've heard valid critiques of it, but this is like also like a really important story for a lot of people, including myself. Like I love Matilda. It's so deeply meaningful. And again, I just, but I want to also know who Roald Dahl was as a person. He can have positive aspects mm-hmm. and bad aspects. Like human beings are complicated. And I, you know, I, even though like there was, you know, I want to give credence to this. There was like, anti-semitism in his work i want to know about that i want to know like the full scope of this human being so that we may learn certain things from him but also not repeat the mistakes of the past and continue with for example with an anti-semitic caricature i think it's important to have that nuance and broad scope overall i hope i did not offend anyone like when i said that Oh, no, no, you're good. Sorry, I was trying to fact check. I want to say that I had read a thing about how H.P. Lovecraft supposedly, like, renounced racism eventually, but people still just point to, like, H.P. Lovecraft was racist. And it's that goes to your thing about, like, knowing who they were completely, um, you know, rather than going to the soundbite or the one piece of the art or, you know, seeing, like, oh, did they actually fully believe this? Did they themselves eventually renounce it? You know, because also if we're going to get into, like, who the artist was like we can talk about dr seuss all day like that guy was a dirtbag i and i love his work i love his book so much (laughs) um but yeah i guess one one thing i want to get to that we kind of skipped past but it was on the show notes was uh for you guys what are the signs of the times like i already Mm. talked about the casual slurs being one um and i guess uh, like orientalism specifically is another big one like there's it's something we're still fighting against in a lot of film, but there's also a definitely like there's an era where it's just like, no one's even questioning it or trying to subvert it. Yeah. I mean, it's the thing about Orientalism. I say this all the time on our podcast is that like, it's tied to so much of us foreign policy and just conception of the Swana South Asian, like in a lot of Muslim majority countries and how, they want society writ large to look at and engage with us. And that feeds into mm-hmm. media as well. Like, you know, it's not all like um, divide from each other. It's, it's not independent from each other. It's all so much of this connected. I mean, it is connected in other regards mm-hmm. as well of depictions of marginalized peoples, but I would personally argue it's especially pertinent for Orientalist depictions of people from the Swanasta regions. So I think like, yeah again so much of it is tied to the policy and politics of the time one interesting recent example um this is a film that's been hugely lauded is top the thing is an example of it really not really doing it was top gun maverick because there were like stories oh the enemy yeah the enemy yeah there were stories coming out at one time the enemy was going to be iran specifically but it wasn't actually in that in the film so what i believe Mm -hmm. is that the producers realized like hey maybe we don't maybe the public isn't really feeling this public doesn't really want war with iran and like you know the current administration is mm-hmm. trying to like uh broker a p uh jcpoa nuclear deal again and it's like 
they respond to that. And that can be like, great, we don't want a war with Iran. And that's not to like, you know, obviously, you know, you see the protests happening in Iran right now and all support yeah. to the Xinjiang Azadi protesters, etc. It's, um, but we don't want a war, you know, like that nuanced perspective is yeah. important. And yeah, so it can be reflexive to it. So that's uh, something... Is that, Definitely. Sorry, that's a recent example and not like a past example, but you know what I mean. No, but yeah. it, no, but it, it is a good one. I mean, and I for that matter, like if we're going to talk about that, we can talk about you know when we updated Red Dawn or Iron Man, and like you know now it's like oh well, Iron like it it would be weird for Tony Stark to be in the Vietnam War, so let's just put him somewhere vaguely right. Middle Eastern. It, it, they put him in Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, um, and also yeah, I do. Uh, and I mean, and honestly, I feel like I I picked my terms there very intentional because. There is, I think, in terms of how people talk and conceptualize, a big difference between this is Middle Eastern and this is Swana, um, which for listeners who may not know, Swana is Southwest Asia, North Africa. Yeah, it's essentially um, another name. It's the our politically correct version of Middle East. And the thing is, like, we don't admonish anyone for still using Middle East because that's so much in the vernacular. But mm-hmm. it's for us to sort of, like, reclaim our, hey, we are West Asian and yeah. North African. So you can say oh, yeah. Swana, you can say Mina, which is Middle East and North African. So, like, you, I, we use them interchangeably at yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but my, my point being that, like, if a movie is like, yeah, so this Middle Eastern guy, like, yeah. that's a vibe compared to, like, so a Swana man. Yeah. <laughs> like. Exactly. Yeah. Those are very, very different. And yeah, Iron Man definitely went for a Middle Eastern vibe. Um, and then maybe like the in Iron Man three, like one of the most offensive depictions of the Mandarin you could have done other than the original <laughs> comic. But then they like turned yeah. it around and they were like, actually, it was an actor. But I mean, even that, like, well, actually, I did appreciate they I feel like Marvel, that's another example of correcting. By the time we got to Shang-Chi. Um, yeah. they did a lot to kind of redeem and correct the Mandarin missteps that they made in Iron Man three, uh, which I appreciated. Yeah. That's what you get when you have East Asian creators involved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Who are like, Hey, maybe that was, first of all, maybe the Mandarin is a ridiculous name. <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to think of, um, just, just from my own perspective, um, from a Hispanic perspective of like things that maybe product of their time. Um, and honestly, yeah, a lot of them like kind of like vibe and mesh with like the SWAT perspective of like, sure. why is Mexico always yellow? Uh, yep. You know, and I, and I think like I, it's something that's like not t- as talked about because it is, it's harder to kind of like see these things, but brown face forever in lots of like these, these mm-hmm. movies that we're talking about. Short circuit. Short circuit. Uh, William Dafoe in Once, a, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. like, And these are all like movies that I, I enjoy, but there's like clearly... What was that recent Shia LaBeouf one? Oh, I didn't watch that one. That where one, he like... That no, one but seems, like that movie that, where he like played yeah. a full on like... was He like was basically just a cholo, right? Yeah, kind of like an adopted, uh, adopted, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever they were in, in that movie. Oh yeah, because his character was still <laughs> supposed to be white, right? Yeah, he was white, just kind of like adopted, which, which, which I give a much more of a pass than like... You know William Defoe playing a Mexican in like yes. Mexican like, struggle. <laughs> that's you know? very it's, that's it's a lot not worse. The, it's 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 not, and I and I think there's like ways that you do it well. Like I think uh, Nacho Libre is one of my favorite movies ever. And for a long time, mm-hmm. someone were ask, asking like, what's my favorite you know Mexican superhero? Uh, it was Nacho Libre because we didn't have any yep. other options. <laughs> and, and Jack oh, yeah. Black is clearly not Mexican. Um, well, and there, there was an interview with him about that like a few years ago, right? Where someone mm-hmm. was asking about like, you know, how, because I think he said he almost wanted to not do it because he couldn't get the accent figured out. Yeah. Um, 
and then it just like clicked a few days before production started but he was like as it like leading up to it he was like i don't think i should be doing this like i don't think i can like play this yeah but if you look at like jack black like any interviews with jack black especially when it comes to things in like the latinx community or just spanish in general like he, he speaks better spanish than i do um the dude the dude cares and it's not done yeah in a he way put that, in the work yeah he puts in the work and it's not a way that feels like offensive and i think and I, I don't know if this is just like some deep-rooted thing where like latinx people just kind of like give stuff a pass and just get over it because we're just happy to have anything uh but that's speedy what speedy gonzalez yeah speedy gonzalez you know although that was one where i th- didn't warner try to get rid of him and people were like what are you exactly doing? He's because the you best. can't get rid of like the thing like the only thing we have if that's the only thing that we have type of thing because i don't yeah. i've never had an issue with speedy gonzalez like in my entire life growing up and i think a lot of this might come back to and i don't know where this fits in our conversation but like if you don't know it's a problem like how can you i don't it's, it's hard i think mm-hmm. it's harder to like fault people for not understanding that stuff is problematic when they don't know stuff is problematic if that makes sense like yes growing up i didn't know speedy gonzalez was problematic i was like oh that's that's mm-hmm. i feel the... like his cousin is more problematic if i'm being honest yeah his cousin's a little a little crazy uh, i mean his cousin does literally just like sleep all the time and is always tired <laughs> yeah like that one's worse that one's worse for sure at least speedy gonzalez is like the hero and does things and that was me with Aladdin, the uh, 1992 yeah. a real yeah, right? Aladdin yeah. growing up. You know, that, that, makes sense. that was the only representation we had. And it is very Orientalist. <laughs> it is like as some pretty racist depictions in there. But still like seeing Aladdin and Jasmine, these like wonderful, positive depictions of mm-hmm. Arab characters, brown yeah. Arab characters at that. Like they are brown um yeah it it's just amazing you know for us brown swana people in general like that was the only mm-hmm. thing we had growing up and that made it super frustrating and things like with speedy gonzalez i was also going to say like imagine if they had like mexican creators in there for speedy gonzalez or any other like yeah. originally mm-hmm. problematic depiction of a certain character of color like there's ample opportunity totally. to bring in people of that community and we saw it happen with shang chi like to update and make something even more meaningfully representative for mm-hmm. these communities whereas with aladdin 2019 a film that i personally very much do not like um as has made, yeah. been made abundantly clear like they got got guy Ritchie and a bunch of like white writers and producers and like no cult i, I don't mm-hmm. think they really had any cultural consultants from the region and they made it even more orientalist by like mixing a yeah. bunch of cultures even more than the original Aladdin did. Oh yeah, and which is like, is also frustrating because yeah. Disney has they've done other movies where mm-hmm. they've been like we brought in like um granted it's not how Coco started, but the way it ended was like we yeah. have brought in people to consult. Totally. Yes. Or Raya yes. and the Last Dragon, we have brought in people to consult. We the- sent our team to Southeast Asia. Although that yeah, one has other has problems, problems too, yeah. <laughs> with like blending and erasing mm-hmm. cultures and and not having like, Southeast Asian actors for most of the roles. <laughs> Yeah, but they like they at least tried yeah. to do something a little bit better. So for them to then be like, "All right, we're doing Aladdin. Uh, let's go harder on the racism." You know, um, it, it, it's, it's, sorry, say, it's funny. It's, I wouldn't even say they necessarily went harder on the racism. I, I think they went harder on the Orientalism, which like isn't. Yes, sorry. No, that's okay. You're fine. Uh, that, that's the better. That's the better right, word. Right. For it, yeah. It's like Orientalism is sort of like it's analogous sort of analogous to racism but sort of its own thing that can it's more like exoticizing yeah exactly 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 thank you i think it's more the important thing is to uplift our creators of independent products from our own Mm -hmm. communities watch rami on hulu watch mo on netflix um Mm -hmm. they're 
pretty they're fantastic depictions of Palestinian and Egyptian and Muslim characters who are flawed, who are complicated, it is culturally representative. Um watch also on Peacock We Are Lady Parts. Fantastic. You know, it's from, you know, a South mm-hmm. Asian creator, but it has Middle Eastern characters in there who are very proudly yeah. vocally Muslim and it's amazing. I love it so much. Nice. And yeah, We Are Lady Parts is the best. Watch that and Polite Society, the poster of which you can see in my background. And like we need to have more because Swana people are like hugely yes. diverse, so many different religions, so many different cultures. Like I've never mm-hmm. seen, for example, a Kurd- I'm Kurdish. I've never seen a Kurdish character on television ever. I would love to see that. would also mm-hmm. love to create one. Um, but, you know, not putting any ideas out there because WGA yeah. is strong. And I think just, uh, yeah, in terms of like, yeah, it, it has to be like just independent new things for to yeah. be the gateway into our cultures. For sure. Well, and uh, that that brings me to another thing you were saying of like, we need more because we, you know, only have so much uh, that maybe one of the biggest examples of this whole conversation is uh, Hari, Kondo, uh, Hari Kondabolu's uh, The Problem with Apu, mm. which mm. is like a 40 minute documentary about how Apu is just an incredibly racist character and is voiced by a white man and, you know, on arguably shouldn't have existed. But if it was going to exist, definitely shouldn't have been voiced by a white man. Um, have you guys seen the documentary yet? I mean, I'm, I'm, I assume you're all familiar with Apu. Yeah, I mean, we didn't, we didn't, I don't think I've seen the documentary, but I know that we had like a pretty substantial conversation about this on our Simpsons episode for the, uh, for, for but why though, the podcast. So I'm familiar enough. Yeah. You know, growing up loving the, the Simpsons, I, yeah, I'll be honest. Like I love the Simpsons. I never, you know, I tend to resonate more with mm-hmm. like South Asian characters, especially, you know, for example, Miss Marvel, um, particularly in the comics, because her comics are amazing. Show's really good overall as well, although yep. I have critiques of that as well, as y'all know. Um, I never resonated with Apu. I just saw him as this, I don't know, almost like a dork in a sort of way, and just not really having a lot of character, not really delving that much substantively into south asian or indian culture or really his hinduism and just you know the stereotype really you know of his arranged marriage and like him and his wife having i think it was yeah octuplets and just like always being played for laughs and like you said he's voiced by hank anzaria or azaria you know a white guy i yeah, and it says, yeah, I'm reading from Wikipedia. The final time that Azaria voiced Apu was in the season 29 premiere of The Surf Sins in 2017. Since then, Apu has appeared as a background character. So mm-hmm. that's like six years ago, and they still haven't. Again, Apu is an opportunity to improve and have a an Indian or at least South Asian actor voice him, to have South Asian writers for yeah. him. And... I don't see any evidence of the Simpsons having done that yet. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's and because I, like, I don't the think hist- they have. yeah, I don't know if it's because the history of the character is just like too deeply embedded at this point, but I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You go ahead, Alex. It's well, no. So it, it's also a, a tricky thing. Cause they, I know that they, Dr. Hibbert is another character that they were like, let's get a, you know, a black voice actor in here instead of having someone else do it. Um, and I feel like, the fan reaction to him wasn't that it was bad, but just that like the guy couldn't really do the Dr. Hibbard voice, if that makes sense. 
Um, which is, I mean, with cartoons, like the, the idea of like legacy voices is a thing. So it's not even like, well, you're not doing a white man's impression of a black man. It's just like, well, this is a voice that's been done for 30 years. So like if someone voices Bugs Bunny and doesn't do Bugs Bunny, I mean, obviously this is complicated by bringing race into it. Um, but a lot of people were like, he's not bad. He just sounds a lot different than he did before. And like it, it takes getting used to, um, with Apu, I know they did an episode where they tried to address it, um, but like basically it's that like Lisa really likes this book series and then it turns out that like it's problematic and at the end of the episode she's just like oh like sometimes this thing that you used to love like it turns out that it was you know maybe never okay but what can you do like it already exists and it like so very much like a shoulder shrug like sorry we did it we won't do it again and then it like pans to a picture of Apu uh which was too on the nose but it feels bad because it's like that's I I think um Hari Kondabolu even said like that episode was a slap in the face because Lisa would have agreed with me. <laughs> like she would have been for Apu being problematic. But um, cause I think even what he says in the documentary is like, obviously there's a lot of issues with Apu, but the big issue is also he was like the only representation that we had. Um, and then uh, he most recently, I don't know if you guys have listened to it. He was on code switch and had like a sit down conversation with Hank Azaria um, where they just kind of like got into everything. And apparently actually, wow going back to learning from things, Hank Azari has been putting in the work. Like he's done like a bunch of anti-racism trainings. He's like fully like team problem with Apu. Like he, you know, and he talks about like, he was, you know, vaguely aware of it, you know, not being great, but didn't really like get the reality of it. I think he said the thing that made him sink in for it was like a video or a news story about, um, I don't even know if it was an Indian man. It might've just been someone from, you know, that whole region from like, you know, India all the way through North Africa, but getting attacked and getting called Apu. And he was like, wow. Oh, it's a slur. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of like for him, what made it yeah. really, really sink in. You, okay. You know, knowing that I can understand why they just keep Apu as a background character. Now it's just, yeah, that character is tainted at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, and it's also a thing of, um, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember how someone described it. Like, and I, I think it actually might have been. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It was it was from the documentary. It was like Apu's voice is a white guy doing an impression of a white guy making fun of my grandfather. Um, and then they found out that the Apu voice is Damn. is based Jesus. on a white actor in brownface. So he's like, it literally is that. Like, that's what it has always been. Um, and so even if you yeah. brought it back, you would have to bring him back with with not the Apu voice, I feel like to, you know, to kind of correct mm. it. Yeah. The only, the only way to, I think to save that character itself is to do like a, I mean, and then, and even then it doesn't work cause they've tried it before, but like mm -hmm. a Cleveland show spinoff type thing mm -hmm. where you go with Apu and you actually do the work and make him an actual character that is in touch with his culture and not just a joke, but there's just no, I don't, yeah, think, I don't think it's salvageable at this point, knowing more of the context I mean, every... to be honest. Yeah, and every now and then they've tried to do episodes that salvage it a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. um, they, you know, like when he gets married, and I don't know how accurate it is, like they try to bring in more of what an Indian wedding would look like. Yeah, or I actually do remember they, that. I think it they, would look they, pretty nice. They, they talk about, too, um, how, like, he actually has, like, an advanced degree in India, but then it's not recognized in the mm -hmm. States. And I was like, oh, that's actually a super relatable immigrant story yeah. that he's like, I run a, like, I run the Quickie Mart because no one recognizes that I have a degree in this. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like, oh, like, that's real. Like, that's them, you know, but it's like, did they carry that to its 
furthest possible storytelling ability or did they drop it in there as a joke and keep moving um yeah but yeah man apu really is like a, a the prime example of product of its time and what do we do with it and again like just more original like film and tv shows with brown indian characters like for example you know for as problematic as Mindy Kaling has been sometimes. I love Never Have I Ever so much. Love Davey. Oh, yeah. She's it's a great show. Great show. Uh, Davey is this wonderfully relatable Tamil Indian-American um, teenager who's deeply flawed in deeply relatable ways. And it's just, this is real representation. I like, I love this show and it's going to be meaningful mm-hmm. for you know, South Asian, brown communities, like, in general, like, you know, not everyone mm-hmm. relate to it because it's very specific. It's about Tamil, American, Hindu family, but still there's specificity. There's relatability in that specificity. Uh, Yeah, just, just like more of that. Just like more yeah. new stuff. And again, definitely, like, I think this also, this whole conversation also goes into the wider conversation we've kept having on this podcast about the usage of IP and trying to expand on that and uh, gain money from that. And just like, Mm -hmm. not everything needs to be, you know, changed or updated. And, or if they are going to like do the work, bring in people of the culture, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And yeah. Yeah. I remember, and this was probably like, almost 10 years ago, but someone had interviewed Michelle Rodriguez and asked about like, well, would you want to play like, um, you know, would you want to play a superhero if they, you know, if they want to change that character and make them Latinx? And she was like, no, I want our own characters. Like she was yeah. like, I, I absolutely don't want to do that. And I want my own. And I don't know if that's still where she's at with it, but that was like her response back then was like, I would rather you guys make a character for me than just say like, Oh look, green lantern is now a Latinx woman. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's worth pointing about Mindy Kaling. Michelle Rodriguez does some pretty uh, yeah. not great stuff yep. all the time. But again, she's right. she's one of the only actresses I have. I don't have anybody else. <laughs> I, I, there's not a lot else I could do there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think for for me, I would much rather have Blue Beetle mm-hmm. than literally like anything anything else. Like you could you could you could recast Cyborg, one of my favorite DC characters, as a hispanic mm-hmm. man and i'd probably hate it uh because yeah. i just not what i want i'd much rather have blue beetle granted you know he's not going to be a pass is not going to be a big thing in it i think that's crazy and i think is mm-hmm. a whole issue in and of itself but um the fact that we're getting a hero yeah. in that way i think is much better than any recast uh, yeah i really hope blue beetle does well at the box office and i think please let it do well same um, <sighs> Yeah, I, I, I guarantee you it would have done better if they would have kept it in El Paso, yeah. but you know, that's just me. You know, as as someone from a population that you know goes to the movies more than any yeah. other population, but you know, um, whatever. I want to circle back to to an idea that I had had when drafting this episode. Um, is there a tipping point when things are a product of their time? Because there are some things where it's like, oh, that part didn't age great, but the movie is still good and salvageable. And then there's like throw the whole thing away. And like, it, do you think that there's a tipping point, or is it just sort of like a case by case? I think it's whatever you're most comfortable age, engaging with, like in your own personal like, mm-hmm. moral and ethics. Um, I, uh, I think because um, so far, I think my, my closest examples to this, a product of its time is that I had saw a clip for my name is Earl um, on TikTok, And I was like, Oh yeah, I, I think I liked that show. I'm going to go back and rewatch it. And in the first episode, 
the very first person that he helps in My Name is Earl. If you're not familiar with like, the premise of My Name is Earl, he goes, he's been a very shitty person his whole life. He want, he finds out about karma, which in and of itself, I think is kind of a little bit mm-hmm. problematic uh, that he kind of like changes his whole life after he finds out about this one thing. It's one of white people's country, favorite imports like, when it comes yeah. to spirituality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just talking about it just makes me glad that I stopped watching this. But the but in, in it, he finds out about karma and he makes his whole long list and he wants to go and make amends with everybody who he's hurt mm. in his life. And one of the first person people he does it with is a gay man and he's like oh i'm not doing this with a gay man and i was like all right I'll oh yikes this off. i don't know like how they rectify it or like how they how they they fix it but for me i'm like if that's what you're doing in your first episode i don't know really how much you yeah. rectify this because it seems like he really doesn't like the people like the people in the show really don't like gay people and he's scared to help him because he's a gay man and i'm like ah, that's mm-hmm. that's that was fine maybe you know it, it, that might have played back when the show first came out, but there's just so much other content that you can engage in yeah. at this point. So I think it, my, my whole point of this is that if it's bad, you can just put it to the side. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. If you don't have like the nostalgic connection to it, just totally. get rid of it. You don't have to, to engage in it. There's other shows that are better that can, yeah. can do those things better. Cause some of that problematic stuff does jump out, you know, things like departed oh, yeah. <laughs> Matt Damon throughout the entire movie. It was so jarring. It's so jarring. It's, it's so jarring. Yeah. To hear Matt Damon well, and so that actually movie. reminds me, like, I think part of this conversation that we haven't even got into and really don't have time to is that intent is also a factor mm-hmm. here. Like if that episode, if the intent was we're going to show that this man is homophobic and then we're going to grow him and we're going to comment on homophobia. That's one thing. But if the whole episode is just him being like, mm, I really don't want to do this. Is this going to make me gay? Then it's like, mm, maybe this is bad. Maybe this like doesn't like didn't serve a purpose. And the joke wasn't that he was homophobic. The joke was gay people. And, you know, like that intent changes everything. Yeah. And and, it, and and again, I think going back to like there's other content, if you want content like that, like if you want to see people not be shitty by the end of the episode, I think, you know, things like Always Sunny in Philadelphia are much better examples of heavy covering some pretty problematic oh, yeah. topics but doing it in a way where it's always the the butt of the joke isn't yeah. always like the person it's more about the the fact that they think that way is the joke is the fact that, that they've that they've had like what uh, a so 10 season just... arc with a transgender character and it's been like yeah and yeah, but and the way and it, they've <laughs> always had problematic engagement of it but the point is that they're terrible people and you're supposed to recognize that they're engaging that her problematically yeah yeah, you know, and 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 I think things like you know Rush Hour, mm-hmm. I think is a pretty good example of that first movie having some pretty yeah. bad jokes, like not even like yeah. funny jokes, just like is that the one where they just have Jackie Chan say the N word? To... Uh, <laughs> pretty much, they pretty much, or is that much, or is that Rush Hour two? Chris Rock, uh, I don't remember which 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 one that was, but I think like that first one for sure. It's uh, it's not well, Rush Hour two. Like I watched that film a, so I, many I, times as a kid. I think it was Rush Hour one. Not to defend it, but okay. like I'm just saying, yeah, clarifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no. I, I think Rush Hour one. I, my, my point is, I think that Rush Hour one's yeah. a much bigger offender, and I can't go back and watch it because I'm just like, ah, that joke's not. That's not a good joke. Like you wouldn't go say that. Yeah. To, you know, I wouldn't even make those kind of some of those jokes to like my friends. Like those those just aren't great, but. Um, but I can choose to not interact with Rush Hour anymore. If I never see Rush Hour again in my life, I'm mm-hmm. completely fine with that because uh, there's other things yeah. to, to, en- to engage in. So I just really think is how much did that thing affect you? How much nostalgia in, in it is there? And are you willing to keep engaging with it? And I think that's a very mm-hmm. personal choice. I don't think anyone can really fault mm-hmm. you or give you too much of a hard time about it. Unless it's like yeah. outwardly, you know, completely and totally racist. And we didn't even really, I mean, and that might be a thing for a whole other podcast too. But just like the the way in which that a lot of love stories, I think, are pretty like problematic when it comes to teaching kids how you're supposed to like love people. I, I think 
I, I know that the Breakfast Club and like Grease or like the cult classics. If you say anything bad about them, you're a terrible person. You don't like movies. But I hate the trope of like if you change yourself enough, you <laughs> oh, might that get was... the guy. And you can say, oh, it's empowering and stuff. But if you change, and then by the end of the movie, you get the guy that that's that you've been wanting the whole movie, then you didn't really yeah. change for you. you I mean, the, so you the makeover the scene in the Breakfast Club is one of the worst parts of that movie. Like, I love that movie, but I've that scene is always it, like, yeah. it's, I don't know. For me, I was just like, as a kid, I was just like, I thought she was already cute. Like, why did we put makeup on her? Like, yes, she was I fine. Been, I would have been ma- way more on board with it if they had also given Molly Ringwald a makeover to be like, oh, we're trading styles. Like, that would have been like, okay, like, it's a little bit weird. Yes, that would have been so much. You you just made the movie better But, like, instead it was like, like well, so let's make sure better. that the goth girl puts on makeup and wears pink. And it was like, this is stupid. Yeah. Like, why are you doing this? And then let's, and then let's make sure that the, uh, you know, cheerleader popular girl goes with the you know guy with daddy issues mm-hmm. who has who has issues they probably should not oh, be that's together. Be such Those a bad relationship not be together yeah there's no way that that relationship doesn't end yeah. in divorce there's just no way that, that it um, doesn't but you know it's portrayed as like you know he got the girl he kissed the girl yeah it's it's triumphant I, and, I, just, I just yeah hate it. i think it's i think that's just as problematic as a lot of the stuff that, not it's, 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 it's also yeah, a it's product of its time in like it's, the, it's i mean 80s issue. 80s movies are its own subcategory of this whole conversation um like there's there's a lot of like i mean like revenge of the nerds has like a whole rape scene oh god that's like played for laughs Mm -hmm. and yeah man though yeah all those like there's so much in the 80s that was like we were okay with this and again that's where it goes back to like contextualizing like yeah this is real bad and this is just kind of like where people were at at the time that doesn't mean that it's still funny it shouldn't have ever been funny yeah you know yeah um i guess a final question before we wrap up here is is there really an answer here is this like a personal decision like adrian was saying like on a case-by-case basis like do you have any guidelines for yourself that you want to share that might help listeners navigate you know old things that they want to enjoy but have a hard time with i think it's just yeah you can watch i think like adrian said it earlier best that you have to engage with the film and tv best you can within your own you know moral scope and understanding that these are products of their time so Mm -hmm. you can have just like that asterisk you know it's your own like content warning in your head for like what you're about to watch of like a nostalgic childhood fave or uh something else that you can still gleam some enjoyment of it's difficult as well for me to say this because like i already mentioned earlier like i can barely watch west side story anymore i like I, Mm -hmm. i i listen to songs from it i love this music so much and the high scale romanticism of it all. I also haven't watched the new one because, you know, of certain longstanding allegations against the actor playing Tony. And I just feel comfortable with that, along with what other Latina, what Latina critics have said of it, um, including Kate and her fantastic review of the film. But yeah, it's like, I think, and I don't want to encourage people to like not watch anything things they used to love anymore Mm -hmm. but i think you should be open to that discomfort and like letting if that does change your viewing habits then maybe that's not such a bad thing either 
But mm-hmm. I, I don't want to actively be encouraging that. I don't want to say like, hey, if you still watch this and you're in any way a bad person, absolutely not. Like, it's just, it's all within like your own bandwidth of what you are able to enjoy for yourself. And just, especially, you know, I will say, and again, I'll use the example of Indiana Jones here. In your enjoyment of this franchise, please listen to swana and south asian peoples and how we feel about this Mm -hmm. franchise where you can also have that asterisk for how you enjoy it we don't mind you enjoying it just listen to our critiques about it as well and learn how future action adventure films that have an archaeology setting can do better like moon knight moon knight vastly improved on its source material to make something really great and meaningful for Mm -hmm. north african egyptian communities and it was great so that's the note I'll leave on. I really agree that it is that case by case thing. And I think listening to people who, I think it's totally okay for you to like, to like something and for someone to be like, Hey, this is kind of problematic. And not that you shouldn't enjoy it. You should just think about these things as you're going into it. Just because mm-hmm. I think those, that context is important. Then it's for you to kind of think whether or not you're going to engage with that thing. I think my cl- closest example of this is um, woman King. Um, I love the actors in that, but once it came out that it was a little bit problematic in the terms of like the story it was telling and the things that it, you know, borderline lied about. I watched a whole other documentary about like the actual story and I chose, you know what? I don't really want to engage in this movie because I don't think that it does the story it's supposed to do. And I think that you can get the story better from somewhere else. Um, So as long as you're like open to people telling you things that might be problematic about the thing, then it's up to you to kind of decide whether or not you engage with it. And like Sora said, I don't think you're a bad person for watching or enjoying Woman King, mainly because I think this kind of goes back to our discussion at the top of the episode. Twitter is a very small population of the planet, a very small population of Internet users. So if Twitter's telling you this thing and you still go and enjoy it, you'll probably be fine. Because most people aren't going to know that these things are problematic unless someone tells you. And unless you're chronically online, you probably won't know that things like Woman King are problematic or these XYZ thing is problematic or Dial of Destiny is problematic because mm-hmm. you don't know unless someone is telling you. So, um, yeah. I don't know. Just case by case and just be open to listening to people mm-hmm. tell you if things are problematic. Or For sure. And don't, make the, and don't say things are problematic when they're not. Yeah, don't cheapen the term. I think Speedy Gonzalez is... Yeah, I think Speedy Gonzalez is a great example of this. That if you ask probably like any, you know, not uh, brown person off the street if Speedy Gonzalez is racist, they might say yes. But if you were to ask, you know, people I grew up with um, back home, we would probably say yeah. no because it was I the mean, representation we had. As a child, my impression of Speedy Gonzalez was like, is Mexican, wears a sombrero, is fast. Mm-hmm. And that was the extent of what that yeah, what same. I thought about Speedy Gonzalez. Like, I was not like, yeah. mm, what is this teaching yeah. me about Mexican people? Like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think for me it is, I, and something that I will always go back to, and have probably said you know a half dozen times on the show is like, I always support and encourage people to engage media critically. Um, you know, be introspective about like, well, what am I enjoying about this? You know, educate yourself about the the film in terms of like, you know, how like you guys are saying, like if you're gonna watch Indiana Jones, maybe see what Swana people think about it. If you're gonna um, watch, you know. Well, I was going to say Crazy Rich Asians, see what, what you know, Asian people think about that. But that even that one was a, a difficult conversation because a lot of people were like, this is great for, like, you know, Singapore in the East Asian communities. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really represent Southwest Asian communities. South but Asian. also South Asian specifically. Yeah, or so, yeah, yeah, South Asian. But then people were like, well, but does it need to represent all Asians or is that contributing to the idea of a monolith for Asian culture? So, like, 
that's maybe not a great example, but like, you know, look like looking up how people in the community that are represented by the film feel about it, you know, think critically about what it's teaching you. Um, but, but also like I, you know, it's fine to sometimes turn your brain off and enjoy a thing. Um, you know, I, for me, I kind of like the homework yeah, aspect I, of, of engaging with things, but I get that it's not for everyone and it's not for me all the time either. Like there are shows that I just want to turn on and laugh at and be good with. Yeah. I think what, and, and in that, I think something you said is very, very prevalent. There's mm-hmm. what am I enjoying about this? So if you're just turning your brain off to enjoy something, what are you enjoying? Yeah. Are you enjoying jokes at the expense of someone being fat or, uh, special needs or what, whatever the case is like, what are you enjoying about the thing? When you go watch all the destiny, are you enjoying the, the orientalism orientalism that's going yeah. on in the movie? Yeah, are you, you like checking for, fl- are you checking for flights super, to super Morocco cool yeah. or are you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a, super, there's a super way good there's a, I just want to say there's a way to pick Morocco in a beautiful, great way that makes people want to visit mm-hmm. it. Dial of destiny did not do that. Sorry. That's the last thing I'll say. Yeah. No, no, that, no, that's what I'm saying though, is it's just like, you know, they're, I, I actually saw somebody post about like it was somebody critiquing like all of those like you know feed the children commercials mm-hmm. where it's like you guys spent like six million dollars on a commercial <laughs> instead of like feeding the hungry children and then someone else was like and they didn't even bother <laughs> to make Africa like look like a good place to go mm-hmm. which is then going to hurt tourism yeah. which is then going to hurt these communities like you know there's like there's a way to make it beautiful and to make it a place that people want to be. Uh, but yeah, so that's all we have for this week. Do you guys have any um, content that you want to plug? Anything that you've written, reviewed, um, just a movie you want to tell people to go see? Um, I think for me, uh, I haven't done much writing for the site lately. I, I just reviewed um, Glight, which is coming out on July 6th, which is a um, kind of horror light game that really covers the effects of like bullying and things like Ooh. that. I think it's a very good game. Wasn't super thrilled with the ending, but it's a Spanish How do you studio, spell Glight? So by the virtue it uh G Y L T. I don't even know if that's okay. how you pronounce it, but that's it's like G Y L T. Um I review of that on the site. I think it's a it's like a quick six hour, cool. five hour, you know, stint. I think it's very good. Does, does a lot of the things that we talked about today. Um movie wise, no hard feelings, I think is a great, a great, great representation of the conversation we had today on things being problematic, but doing it in a way that that isn't the butt of the joke, mm-hmm. kind of calling attention to those things and things like that. So I think no hard feelings is a great follow up movie to this episode and uh yeah y'all can find me online uh on twitter however long it lasts and also on blue sky uh same handle at spider swars i'm on instagram at swars underscore eight i'm a freelance writer and contributor for the nerds of color but why though the new arab on the new era my review of dial of destiny should be up by now so please check that out i also Mm -hmm. co-host the middle geeks podcast in the nerds of color podcast network where we discuss anything and everything related to Swana slash Mina media. And we give our takes on it. We just had our review of dial of destiny go up. Uh, it's me and may and our friends, Zaina and Nadia. So you can hear from an Egyptian, a Syrian, a Lebanese person and a Kurd about dial of destiny, you know, like, and its depiction of the Swana region. So please check that out. And yeah, in terms of like recommending a film to see the only um, recent one I've really enjoyed it honestly has been across the spider-verse really fantastic love this it's so good it's incredible um but you know in terms of this conversation and talking about how problematic things can be there was a story that came out on vulture about how the artists were heavily overworked and just put in really terrible conditions i want to give credence to that and say hey you know like 
we can still enjoy the film, but still recognize that, hey, Sony, the Lord, y'all need to do better here, please. Because mm-hmm. we want to enjoy it, but please do better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well said. Um, yeah, I think I would also second plugging across the Spider-Verse. Uh, I also want to, circling way back in the episode, um, if you haven't watched the series Never Have I Ever, just wrapped with season so four. Good. The show's over so and done. Good. It's I honestly every episode is great. I don't think there was a single one I didn't enjoy in not just in season four, but in the series. Like if you want to watch a tight 40 episodes that tell a complete story and end in a satisfying way, go watch Never Have I Ever. Um, it's yeah, got a lot of great representation, a lot of good <laughs> jokes uh, narrated by Arthur Ashe. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> or no, not a famous uh, John McEnroe. John McEnroe. It's, yeah, 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 John McEnroe. Um. But yeah, definitely go check that one out. You can find me on Twitter at most always Alex. Uh, you can find all of us on the Discord. Um, if you guys are uh, still listening, also thank you very much. Um, be on the Discord. We have a Patreon. We have a YouTube channel. We have Twitter. You know, find us on all the places. Subscribe. Leave us reviews. Also um, on Blue on Sky. But would... why though is also on Blue Sky now? Oh yeah, we're on Blue Sky. So if you if you made the jump, go find us. Um, yeah, I think that about covers it. You guys have anything else, or are we we getting out of here? Swar and I will be at San Diego. Conference. Yes, cool. So thank you for remembering that, Adrian. That coverage <laughs> in you know in the following week, this this comes out. So just be on the lookout for that. Lots of San Diego cool. Comic Con coverage. I know that a lot of like the big people aren't exactly. Here, but, but That's the main there. reason for going to SDCC yep. this year. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Exactly. All right. That's all for this week, but we'll see you guys next time. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.